The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out on What is my problem? Mm. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, the C O double M O N synonym for fresh truth is the Well, 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 what is up, fuck faces? What up? Just uh another day. That's all I gotta say. Just another yeah. day. Yeah. I hope so you all how had was wonderful weekends. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I, I'm with you. And you know what, Tom? <laughs> You're actually triggering me pretty hard right now for even bringing up Sunday. So I need you to stop doing that. Thank you. I okay. I have a deep urge to throw batteries at you right now. <sighs> you talking worse? I'm talking worst, both of you. My worst Don't fucking nightmare, up. guys. My worst nightmare. Philadelphia Eagles are in the Super Bowl. I think that's like the second worst nightmare. Like the first would be that your mother is replacing your father with Nick Sirianni. That would be the first nightmare. <laughs> I would concur. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Fuck. Fuck that Eagles team. I'm so tired of. I'm so tired of Nick Sirianni. And I'm tired of fucking Jalen Hurts doing his, the Joe Burrow impress, impression in the locker room with his fucking stupid cigar. Like, oh, that's it, so man. overplayed. Yeah, it's like it's like it's almost like like everyone's trying to do the Burrow thing at this point, trying to have that like viral moment with a cigar in their mouth, and it's it's very tacky at this point. Although, is, if Daniel Jones did it, I probably would love it. So, I'm also biased. The, it's, the it's best one is when Mac right? Jones does it, and it's like, what you haven't won anything. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he won barely be now Bailey Zappi as a starting quarterback. So exactly. what it, so any takeaways from uh from yesterday because we I think for the most part we all kind of picked Chiefs Eagles to be here, am I wrong? Well, first and foremost, welcome back everybody to no. the Second Mouse no. podcast. Um Q is currently dissenting from this podcast and he wants to go straight into pain, which is on brand for him, but cancel Tom. Yes, <laughs> it's right. That remains to be seen. But if you are watching on Twitch or YouTube, do us a favor and give us a like and subscribe, hit that um, subscribe button. You can also follow us on discord as well. Jump into the conversation we're always responding to folks that are in there. Got a nice little crew of just absolute goons in there right now. But goons the more, the merrier. We'll be weirdly intimate with you. Yes, yeah. it'll be. We'll have a lot of heart to hearts. If Elon Don't you Musk be interview intimate with this guy, <laughs> don't you? No. If Elon Musk, if Elon Musk had any <laughs> fucking the, balls, okay. If Elon Musk had any fucking balls, he would stop shadow banning people who are doing hashtag Tom, cancel Tom. On Twitter, okay. I mean, I just want the to movement for the is alive. We are the silent majority. Hashtag cancel Tom on Twitter. I'm gonna write that down and 
and and put it in my dream diary after this. <laughs> but since we're on to dreams and nightmares, let's get on to your nightmare for the both of you yesterday, which was the Eagles having literally no opposition to get into the Super Bowl. Tom, you're in this boat with us, buddy. Keep paddling. Come on. I mean, I you're, had you're Josh Stanley. Johnson no. as a quarterback at one point. So he's not, he's not though, Gato, because his team is just like a terrible wreck. So he like he I don't he's kind we of were supposed we were. to be that same beaten wreck though this year. <laughs> and it didn't happen. So Joe Shane and Brian Dable, baby. I don't know what to say. I would like to point out Ron Rivera still considers the season a success. So Ron Rivera boom. thinks he's boom. playing next Roasted. week, by the way. <laughs> Riverboat Ron, man, I'm telling you. That that guy, like, as long as he just goes into Daniel Snyder's office and goes, Hey, I support the troops, and he's like, lifetime contract. Yep. Um, any major takeaways for you guys other than fucking Eagles are gonna win the Super Bowl and I'm gonna haunt my dreams? Oh man, it's you know what the most annoying part is how easily they've just cruised all year. So like, that's interesting. That's interesting you said that, Gato, because I actually had a question for you guys. There's a lot of chatter about the Eagles having the easiest route to the Super Bowl ever. That and and I don't know if there's any way to quantify that. Because, like, what goes into an easy matchup? But they did have the Giants team that's clearly not ready yet. They did get a Brock Purdy-less 49ers team for the most part. They got an everybody-less 49ers team. Right. Yeah. And So, God, we'll start with you. Um, do you do you feel as though that they are a legitimate team? Do you, Or do you feel like maybe they've just got an easy ride this way? I mean, my copium makes me want to say that uh... – it's an easy ride, but like they're they're a solid team. You could kick the wheels on this bad boy, and it will roll over most teams. Don't get me wrong. The defense uh, is just nasty, dude. It's a it's the team has talent all around the board. I wonder where the the point of failure is on that team. I think it's like if you remove the quarterback, we have a totally different ball game here. I think they proved that, right, with Gardner Minshew taking over and losing those two games in the season. I mean, they lost, what, three games all year, and they two of them with with, with Gardner Minshew. To be fair, yeah. you can make that argument against any team that has a top 15 quarterback as well. I, like, we saw a great example of that on Saturday. Like, if you were – and we saw it last week, too, with Patrick Mahomes going out. And if you remove Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes from their team, they're completely different. So for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's and, true. I, and, and honestly, I don't even know if I agree with that. hundred percent. Like their run game is just so fucking dirty. And that offensive, I mean, they, Jeff Dowland's the best offensive line coach I, in the league by I far. I think you're, you're touching it on, on the nose though. It's definitely that offensive line is, it's just insane. If they like, like uh, they couldn't get over how low the offensive line would get when they were making those big pushes, they just couldn't, help themselves but go into replay and be like look how low these guys fucking get. oh my god greg olson oh. greg olson was creaming everywhere about that man i'm fucking, oh, like technique. i don't mm. it's um and i i i for one hope that jason kelsey is going to retire after this year because i'm fucking sick of seeing him um he's been a minute he's gonna be a hall of famer by far but lane johnson playing through a fucking core injury Moata, who was a fucking, what, a seventh-round draft pick. They, they turned into a superstar left tackle. It's just fucking enough already. Like, I'm fucking – Landon Dickerson from Alabama, guy I wanted. They get him in the second round. He's been a stud this year. I'm just fucking sick of it, man. I'm really 
So I think the biggest. I think this is going to be top ten pick in the draft. It drives me fucking insane. Sorry. I mean, they draft well, and that's always been kind of a reoccurring theme for the Eagles. Even during like the Chip Kelly era, they still were able to find guys. Towie. The one thing I would say, I'm really curious to see how it's going to play against Kansas City, and we'll get to the Kansas City game shortly, but Q, you were making a point about this. Their their defense is just smothering, and they might have played some sorry teams, but at the same time, they still led the league in sacks. They had 70 sacks in the regular season. The two. closest team was Kansas City at yeah. 55. Two, by the way, 72 was the record. Yeah. The, but I think it's the 85 Bears, I believe. Um, it, it's fucking sickening. And like Jerron Hargrave was a guy that they got, and he's had 11 sacks at like a defensive tackle position. Hassan Reddick um, had 16 sacks. He was a guy they signed in free agency. Um, just hitting on everybody. I mean, TJ Edwards, I think, is one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. Dave Gettleman fucked up and ruined the Giants team. So now we had to give away James Bradbury for free. And they got him for nothing. Darius Slay got him to trade. And then they got they stole Chauncey Gardner Johnson away from the Saints for nothing. But like what's most impressive though is Howie Roseman has oh, by the way, clear executive of the year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Clear executive of the year. He's made some major fucking misses. And yet this team does not is still okay. Mind you, I was sitting there on draft night a couple years ago, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, they're they're going to get Justin Jefferson, and I'm going to lose my fucking mind. And they're on the board, and they don't take Justin Jefferson. They take Jalen Rager. The yeah. next pick, the Minnesota Vikings take Justin Jefferson. And imagine this fucking team with Justin Jefferson on it. It would have been even worse. Yeah. It'd be- but the fact that he's made so many misses and yet still has so many hits, it's just he's – I mean, well, part of that too is like, you know, is the draft everything or is it like also making sure you have the right coaches to match and pair with the right players, right? It's also just being able to find guys too. Hassan Reddick was a guy that was not really like drawn Hargrave, the same thing. You know, TJ Edwards is a late round pick, getting Darius Slay for a pretty cheap trade. He He's also smart too because he'll get guys on expiring contracts and he knows that the compensatory pick is going to kick in. He just he knows how to game the system better than anybody. And uh, you know, when I say game the system, I don't mean he's like cheating or anything. I'm just literally using the rules to his advantage. So you smart mean guy playing the game. Yeah, yeah, literally it's, doing you, the right things. You're playing the game on on the field and then off the field the rest of the year, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's so he's I'm, he goes to work the day after the Super Bowl, and, and and I'm so pissed because he did a great job building those teams in the past, and then. Chip Kelly squeezed him out. Um, literally, I think it was year two when Chip Kelly was there. He ended up getting him fired. And then Chip Kelly was basically the GM for like a year. And they were like, oh, wait, he doesn't know what he's doing. So <laughs> they they fired him and brought Harry Roseman back. If so, I'm an owner and I'm interviewing head coaches and one mm-hmm. of their requirements is they have to be the GM, I'm immediately saying, absolutely not. We're going to find somebody else. Like, how many examples do you need of head coaches who said, well, I also want to be able to pick the players and they suck at it or they can't balance the workload for both being the head coach of a professional team and being the one who's also driving the contract conversations, the personnel decisions. 
And there are just so many examples of how fucked that has been. Bill O'Brien is a great one. Oh, Chip Kelly is another like you you really should not do that unless you've been in the league for like 25 years as a coach. I think if some owners eventually get the hint that, or they believe that, Oh, he's the guy like mm-hmm. he's, he's the next because Bill Belichick is essentially the GM of the Patriots. Right. He also drafts like shit too. He so. does draft like shit. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to say he drafts wide receivers very poorly. He does draft a lot of really good players, but it's just the wide receivers are, he, he just has a blind spot towards them. Yeah. Um, but I think like, especially cause they have so much money invested in them. Like, like the Philadelphia Eagles had so much money invested in Chip Kelly that they kind of felt like they had to let him do it his way. And then like, if he fails, we can just move on, which mm-hmm. obviously he did in spectacular fashion. The Bill O'Brien thing still to this day is just so funny. He fucked yeah. that team so bad. <sighs> what a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's back in the league. He's building up that resume for another run. I'm telling you, he it's not. It's give it a year or two. Yeah, buy, buy high on uh, Mac Jones and fantasy. By the way, yeah, I I think that's the one shining light there. I do want to go back to the 49ers though. Yeah, you you had asked like, are there any big takeaways here? This is going to sound bad, but I think it's going to work out well for him in the future. But D'Amico Ryan's and that defense kind of just falling apart in the middle of that game with all the penalties and poor execution. I mean, they were pretty much put in an impossible situation where they're like, we're literally not going to score any points on offense. We need you guys to kind of do it all. Yeah. And I hope this isn't misinterpreted incorrectly, but I hope people Julie. take a pass on him this year because right now the options that are available are the Texans and they've fired their last two coaches after a year apiece. And I think D'Amico Ryans has shown that he is qualified enough to be a head coach, but he's also good enough to be able to pick where he wants to go. I don't think he needs to join up on a bottom feeder like the Texans. They're going to have a high pick. That's great. They always have high picks outside of like, the Gary Kubiak years and parts of the Bill O'Brien years. So um, pro football, pro football talk reported earlier that he turned down the Broncos job apparently. And it's because he's going, he's going to take the Texans job. He's a, he's a legacy player. He was drafted by the organization. So I kind of understand it. You hope that they're going to give him enough of a, an option to kind of run his own show and not, not be held back. I think also it's kind of time for him to leave at this point because like, I I don't think, I don't think he stands like he's done as good of a job as you can ever do. And like, yeah, yesterday it was undisciplined, but like really like, did anybody feel like the the 49ers had a shot in this game if Purdy stayed healthy? You don't don't think at all? I think after the second drive, I, I just felt like everyone, even the Niners had written themselves off in that game. See, I, 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 that's that's strange because I, I did not take that. I, I took it as the defense was playing well, and then Purdy got hurt, and they kind of stuck around for a little bit. But then that one drive where they had like four or five penalties, that was the backbreaker, and they just kind of gave up after. What, that. what was the moment that they could like the they could have just called the play dead, and the refs probably could have just left it as an incomplete pass, um, but they decided to challenge it. Was it the one Purdy got hurt on? 
And they they called it a fumble and they gave it to Philadelphia. Yeah, they did. They did. They did challenge that and they gave it to Philadelphia as a fumble. That it was. was the and by the way, I felt the impending doom though. It was a fumble. <laughs> like, like I didn't have any real problems with any of the penalties in those games. Surprisingly, um, I I feel like they could have gotten away with because of the forward momentum, saying it wasn't like his hand was coming forward, and they probably could have gotten away with calling it incomplete. And I, I think, think it wouldn't have affected the outcome of this game nor would it have done much to change what was going on at the game at that moment. I honestly but think I think it was an open hander. I think they I think they got that right. It was it was an open handed, especially when they, I, essentially when they call it like right here, it's it's a fumble. Yeah, but you know let's we're we're gonna dig into this probably later, but like let's also pump the brakes and remember that uh that their first drive, you know, wasn't altogether the the Eagles' first drive wasn't altogether spectacular until they basically cheated and took an incomplete well, pass okay, I and think played she, it I, off. I, 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 think I don't she, know if it's a cheat as much as no, it's a bad it's, call by it, the ref. I felt like they owed him one. In it's, my stra- it's strategy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, because if I'm like, the Niners, that's a that's a blunder on the Niners' part, in my opinion. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, when you see them. Like because that was a fourth down play, right? So they like I I think that the that Shanahan should have noticed they were getting to the line very quickly and threw the flag as quickly as yes. possible because and that's they why were, I kind of blame the Niners on on right, wondering because, that. Yeah, because ultimately, like you can tell when teams are like not sure if they ended up getting that. But like, why are you going to hurry up? They didn't even have time to show the replay on the net, on the broadcast because they were moving so quickly. So it was one of those scenarios where like. If I, I just think it was a badly coached game by the 49ers. I think yeah, Warner getting hurt early, Bosa getting hurt early, and then Purdy out for the game. And by the way, he's out for six and, months. So and, it was like and Bosa the, the Bosa injury was bizarre because it happened while he was on the sideline. That was yep. another. They had a lot, it was just misfortune after misfortune after misfortune for that uh, for the hence, Niners team. Hence the question, right? Like, so so from my perspective on the Eagles. I think they've had a significantly easy ride into the Super Bowl, but they are arguably, if not the best roster in the league, they are top three roster and they're a team that will roll over you pretty easily if you let them. So you can be literally both. You can be good and have an easy schedule. And that's why this whole year has looked like they haven't tried. It's been an effortless looking year for them. The only time it, they tried really was against the Cowboys, right? When they when they uh, lost, they lost they lost to the the Commanders too. Am I wrong? Mandos, they, baby. They lost. The they did Let's struggle hand against up. the Mandos. That was and a bad then, game for them. Who was the other? Uh, was it Vikings? Who was the other team that beat them? They uh, lost two in a row with Gardner Minshew. So I think it was the Vikings. I don't recall. I mean, they only lost to teams that made the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I mean. I, I don't like the argument of like, oh, they just had an easy schedule. Right. But like you do realize you have to play the game still. And like at the end of the day, if you're beating up on bad teams, OK, you're a good team. <laughs> so, well, I mean, we, we saw I think we saw that kind of with like the whole dynasty of the Patriots. Right. Because each year they were guaranteed almost six wins because at that time the Jets, the Dolphins and the Bills were atrocious. Right. <laughs> But yeah. they still had to beat out other good teams in the league to, to win, right? And then yeah. other times it was they were just smoke and mirrors, right? They were they got defrauded pretty early. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't like that argument a lot of times. So they lost to um they lost to Washington in week 10, 32-21. Then they that was with Hurts. So that was the only game that Hurts lost this year. Uh week 16 and week 17, they lost to Dallas and New Orleans. Ah, New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. So okay. those were those were two games that they lost. One on the one on the road, one at home. And the loss against Washington was at home as well. It's inter- the the one that actually is interesting is the Saints because Saints, def- Saints defense is still pretty solid. And like Gardner Minshew, I I I I don't I'm not the big I know he's kind of cool and he's like he's got the he 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 gets a lot of he's very memeable but like I don't think he's really all that good. So yeah, I um. Going back to your question, going back to that question, Hugh, that you had about when did you think that game was over? As soon as Josh Johnson came in, and the first play from scrimmage was him getting completely destroyed by Hassan Reddick. That, like, this is this is done. You're you're not going to be able to stop this. That fumble where it was a it was a bad was what was yeah. it, a bad snap, and he just like <laughs> doesn't know what to do for a second. He tries to like pick it up then he's like you know what maybe i'll just fall on this we'll call it a that drive. was that was my moment where i'm Whoa. like this game's over because uh th- that was the, right after the drive where they had the penalties on defense mind you they mm-hmm. had a bunch of stops and it was just these like weird stupid penalties that they were getting and again i say stupid because they were getting them not because the refs were calling bad plays um and then after that, they scored it. So the Eagles scored a touchdown. That was the next drive. There was like two minutes left. I'm like, they're getting the ball after halftime. Go down the field. Even if you walk away with three, you walk in 14-10 into, into halftime. McCaffrey had already gotten that touchdown, right? So like we're seeing that maybe they can like do an option offense to maybe mitigate the Josh Johnson thing. And then when he fumbled that ball and Philly took over, I'm like, yeah, that's that was it. And then he got hurt. Yeah. And, and then, then Josh yeah, Johnson got a concussion. concussion. Yeah. And yeah. when they were starting to fiddle with McCaffrey's helmet to put the mic or the, the headset in there, it's like, nah, man, they just but, need to end this game. But also, like, how do you not have an emergency? Like, they didn't they only had two they only had two quarterbacks on their team. How do you not have an emergency quarterback? So somebody actually mentioned that as a receiver on that team, they have the number four dual threat quarterback in the country that went to college and switched positions there. I don't remember who on who was, I think it was like Juan Williams or something like that, but he was the number four dual threat quarterback in the country and was recruited as such. And then he switched positions. Like nobody went over to him and be like, Hey man, can you like look busy back there more than Josh Johnson or Brock Purdy? You know, what Mm -hmm. was the kind of the death nail for them was um, Elijah Mitchell being out. Because if Elijah Mitchell was out, they could have probably did like a pony uh, formation with McCaffrey and Mitchell in the backfield and could have just kind of, Options you know, and things did, like that. Yeah, yeah, did like a bunch of like RPOs, just kind of be like Georgia Tech and just run the ball every single drive. But you don't know where the ball is going to him being out and McCaffrey having that heel injury. It just like I, I, I feel like, you know, it didn't matter at that point because once they knew that they didn't have to put the coverage on they had no throwing threat it's just like you know stack the line and and it's just it was over man it was now i i do have to ask you guys how do you guys feel about brock purdy 
and his injury and that whole situation. Do you think he sh- he could have played? I mean, he went back in the game. Do you think he could have tried a little bit more, or do you? How do you feel about the whole situation with him? Because he's I not mean, injured if, enough not to be out there. I mean, you said he was hurt for the next six months, right? He he is going to be out for the next six months. It was a bad injury. Oh, yeah, okay. so I think it that's. I think he did exactly what his body was capable of doing. He has a torn. Point. He has a torn UCL in his throwing elbow, so it's oh, bad. You it's see that a lot bad. with pitchers. So yeah, very much a pitcher injury. Yep. The um okay um yeah so that's... cancel Gatto for Woo! that one yeah, yeah you know what seriously. forget it hashtag cancel Tom okay hashtag cancel Gatto but then then here's Justice here's the Brock thing Brady. right if it was that bad then why'd they even let him back out in the first place just hand the they ball off no, probably yeah they, he was just handing the ball off but like isn't that when the medical team steps in and says this guy can't play anymore it's probably or a... is it because it's playoffs so now we. We well, they replace. They didn't have anybody else for greatness, and therefore we we allow it. They Mind probably they just said like, as long as he's just giving the ball to other people, it's probably not yeah. a big deal. All right, yeah, so uncancel me <laughs> for that valid point. This is pretty interesting though, because this puts the this puts his uh, start of the season in doubt. So I think I mean, Trey Lance is the front runner moving forward. I think he. So, I think. Yeah. I think he was the front runner in the, anyway, but like. Personally, because like I listen, I Brock Purdy's a good kid, but like I just don't see what people are seeing with him. I think it's a nice story, and mm-hmm. I think if Purdy was going into next season healthy, it would have been a good competition to see who would have been the starter, trailing it or him. I don't think they go out and find somebody else because, frankly, they wouldn't have traded all those picks to get Trey Lance. Like, it makes no sense for them to go out and find somebody else. The thing now is like Trey Lance is going to be more healthy than Brock Purdy is. And there was nothing in that offense that said that Brock Purdy is just seeing above everybody else. And he's just like the bigger brain in the situation. Like it's pretty easy offense to figure out because it's a lot of running plays and it's a lot of moving around, just find open receivers. So obviously I'm simplifying it probably a little bit more than it needs to, but Trey Lance is going to be the healthy person moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I honestly like it's just also from a natural talent perspective that like Trey Lance is like quarterbacks take time. I, I don't like this new thing that we're doing with these young quarterbacks that we're basically forcing them to be good year one. By the way, he got injured year one. So his this was basically his rookie season. And like we're just like we're basically like throwing these guys out at 23 years old saying they can't play anymore. And it's like it's weird. The other thing is, too, she, is that. Trey Lance had a season injuring ending injury in a leg, not in an elbow. Broken leg, yeah. Yeah. So Brock Purdy is coming back with a fully reconstructed elbow <laughs> to mm-hmm. throw, which it's you know, six month surgery, it's probably not gonna be a full strength for at least another year. Yeah. Uh is is it gonna be a Tommy John surgery? Is that likely the the type of surgery they perform on this one i don't i i don't know for sure um but it probably will be something similar because they actually said it during the broadcast and it was it was actually looked like it's actually correct yeah so yeah ucl is a tommy john surgery so yeah most likely so i mean like we've seen like tom baseball like Mm -hmm. 
how often does it like they come back the next year and they're not like a hundred percent yet? They have to like go through the process a couple more times, like go through another year before it strengthens and everything. So Purdy like theoretically may not even like claim that much this year um, in 2023 this is a devastating injury. So, yeah, I'm looking up if there are any like notable UCL injuries. Adam Schefter said he is seeking a second opinion. Um, I don't know. What, I mean, I guess that's just smart to do, but. <sighs> well, I would also argue that the UCL diagnosis, they, they're going to want to check that probably first, right? Because there's a lot of different things in the elbow that could be wrong. I mean, it's, I had, I, you know, I had a, a tendon issue in my arm and like, they're all, they're all so different, man. Um, Cause you might still have, he might not have the throwing power, but he has all different range of motion to do everything else. Right. Right. And so that's why. Gatto, I had mentioned this in the discord yesterday between the three of us. That was actually the same injury that Drew Brees had in his last game for San Diego. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look what happened. And now, now did he, he didn't miss the following year, right? No, but okay. um, he basically had the exact same thing happen where his elbow was twisted in a way that basically, I mean, I remember him walking back to the sideline and he had his elbow like this up to his shoulder. Cause he couldn't move it. Um, and I mean, Drew Brees is a, is a beast. Um, but I also think too, that offense helped him out a, a lot. And I don't think it was until like that second year where they really started to stretch the field and like dial it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything, he's, he came back and had a, you know, honestly the best years of his career after that. So it's not a, it's certainly not a death sentence to uh, your career or anything. Right. Uh, but yeah, I agree. There was, there was no, there was basically no second half in the game. Yeah. There, there, there wasn't third quarter started. I- and that was it. It was the, uh, it was it was over. Yeah, I I felt like everybody, like all fans of the NFL, kind of got ripped off with that game, right? Like it's a it's a big week of football, and I just felt like we were we were losing out by having that game. <laughs> well, we got a we got a juicy one in Kansas City, like we immediately got following that. Yeah, um, for sure. So. Opening line is um, Philadelphia minus two, um, which is interesting. So they, it seems like Vegas is at least giving Philly the slight favorite. Um, I don't know, man. We're going to – like I, I I picked Kansas City originally, but I'm wondering because like Mahomes is definitely not healthy. The whole not team under. is hurt. Yeah. yeah. They're really battered and beat up, and I don't think this last game made that any better for them. Because like Mahomes at that moment where he rolled out and he kind of got shoved and like you could see he kind of planted and kind of came up lame. I don't know if that's going to be like a hundred percent by two weeks from now. So, what's well, what uh, high ankle sprains typically take like six to eight weeks or eight to usually? 10 weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, he's it's playing like, on it, so it's going to take longer too. Well, and it's also like different levels, right? Like it's like. You know, sometimes it's not as painful as it, as it gets. You know, it's obviously an injury that probably gets a little bit better over time. But I don't know. I I, I have like so. Well, we can get into Kansas City and Cincinnati 
Um, really disappointing performance by Cincinnati. I like. I don't. I don't get it. That offensive line is just so weird. They, they suck. They're so they, bad. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's moments they shine, and then there's moments that they just fall completely apart. To be fair, though, Chris Jones is a monster, and so is Frank Clark. I mean, they. Oh, man, I know it Jones. pains both of you that Steve Spagnolo is the one that's running that defense. I'm I'm happy for really, Spags. Yeah, um, but I mean that first oh. that first quarter was just like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? That that entire right hand side of the offensive line was basically wet laundry, and it just folded the entire fucking time. Well, you know, it's something that I think from last year, this time of year to this year. It's affected the play of Joe Burrow. I think he's gun he's, shy. Yeah, he's gun shy. He's rightfully so, so used to being pummeled all the time that it's affecting his how how long he's in that pocket, how how much he has to think about that, and it's affecting his his play downfield. And you know, it, it, until they correct that issue and they have an offseason to do so, I don't know if they will. Um, you know, it's just going to be the the story over and over again because it's it's arguably the best receiving core in the league. I mean, between Jamar Chase and and uh, Higgins, right there. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like unstoppable, man. I I want to go. I want. I don't have the official numbers. I'm I'm actually interested to go back because I saw a thing Mina Kimes was talking about that. Um, there was actually like in the beginning of the year, the Bengals were really suffering. Mm-hmm. And they actually show that like the number of times that they were in shotgun went down. So I think teams were kind of figuring out that when they were doing like a zone read type of thing, they were always throwing. So they're like whenever they had a shotgun position with a halfback pretty much right next to him, mixing next to him, they like teams had them figured out. Only when he went under center, you saw it went from like 13%, 18, like 25, 40%, like I, I, I want to go back and see how often he was under center uh, last night because um, that would be a telling story if, if Kansas City kind of figured them out or if maybe Cincinnati referred back to where they were early in the season. Well, you could see there was a clear change in the play calling by the second quarter or by the end of the second quarter where everything was like quick passes versus you, you could see in the first quarter they were everything – Joe was like lining up for big throws and he was getting pummeled every time. And then they just moved to short passes, him like throwing the ball away. I I think there was a clear change in the game plan. And I just, you know, Tony Romo was trying to get everyone a fucking head coaching job yesterday. (laughs) And I think he <laughs> can we talk about Tony Romo for well, a second? Well, I'm I'm getting to that. Like he oversold everyone, like, hey, this guy deserves a head coaching job. I'm like, for what though? Like I I don't think the Bengals were that bad, but I also don't think that they were like world beaters. They also were able to beat up on some shit teams too. And mm. I I think that they got exposed more than what they got exposed by a really good team. And Mike Brown better buy some fucking players that 
can block because their star franchise quarterback is going to probably end up the same way that their last star franchise quarterback ended in Carson Palmer, where he's like, fuck this. I don't want to play here anymore. I'm tired of being sacked 60 times a year. They went out there and got Alex Kappa and um, someone else. Um, they spent a lot of money last. The right guard was and it um, just didn't didn't work. Yeah. So before we start getting jobs for the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator, maybe we should make sure that you know Joe Burrow is not going to be in a fucking ICU in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you know, someone someone mentioned in the Discord server, like um, this is ter- going to turn into another Andrew Luck situation, right? Mm-hmm. If he keeps going down this road, and we don't want to see it because, mm. you know, you can't uh, like you could try your best, but nobody looks cool in a hospital. It's true. Yep. So should we talk about um, conspiracy gate? Yeah, um, inject that shit in my fucking veins. This this is going to become an issue over time because I I don't I didn't see a great um I did not see a great idea of like why this happened. Um apparently the what they said was there was some kind of play clock issue that fucked up and then they basically respotted the ball after a third and whatever failed. And gave the Chiefs another shot, which of course they got the first down. <laughs> so, well, that whole series. Are, so, we're talking about the two two third downs, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the whole series you, is that they have an issue with the clock to begin it, right? So, mm-hmm. second down's over. They're going into third down. They have an issue with the clock. They reset the clock. The far judge. So he's in. He's in the secondary. Uh, I think he's the lo- he's on the line from, from in the secondary of Cincinnati. He comes it's running a far in. away off too. He's he comes the- running in to blow the whistle and try to stop the play. The play happens. It gets blown up. Right. Um, they the play ends. There is a late flag. That flag was was it a holding? I think so. Yeah, it was a holding, and they had then moved the ball like they didn't even confer with this ref. About the whole thing to begin with. You're talking about the one and fourth down, Gato? Uh, uh, so, fourth, no, this the, is third down. Quarter? This is third down. Was it fourth uh, fourth quarter? Yes. Oh, this, this, the Bengals, the the Bengals drive or the Chiefs drive? The Chiefs drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So here, here they are. They end up moving the ball back. It's like third and 22, though. And they go to decline it. And they say, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. Hold on. Because... Because of that, uh, because the ref came in to stop the play, it's actually third and nine again. <laughs> so the whole thing about the penalty made no sense because they should have came in and said, look, we, we called the play dead to begin with. We had to reset the clock anyhow. And they there was no clear ex- of explanation of that either. None whatsoever. And it makes me think back to a 2007 game where the New England Patriots – were on the road to an undefeated regular season and they ended up in Baltimore and at the very end of a play there's that was going to be a crucial fourth fourth down there is a holding call oh no no there is not a holding call I'm sorry there is a false start that doesn't get penalized till after the play they get a 
Second try from five yards back. Unsure shit. Brady connects, and they end up winning that game. Yep. Pre- preserving the the perfect record that they. Well, have. let's not also forget that you know we talk about fumbling the ball while throwing it. They you know they called the tuck rule with for Brady as well against Oakland in the AFC Championship game, and that was Brady's first season. Am I correct? Yeah. So maybe you no, know, he you know. There's there's questions about I I don't know like the NFL is not rigged in the sense of like they have a script and like on oh Joe on this play you're gonna like run around and then throw the ball into the dirt like but like it's hard not to feel at least like there's a little bit of like Tim Donahue going on you know where referees maybe are more inclined to call uh, penalties on teams that they maybe you know I don't know. Well, I mean, there was plenty of examples of the whataboutism in that game where mm-hmm. they were holding penalties called on one team that were not on another. There was a late hit on a quarterback that was never called. Um, there was a illegal block in the back on a punt return that was never called. There was a holding on that last play where Patrick Mahomes scrambled. And also, too, in the intentional think- grounding on Burrow. The intentional grounding, which was kind of bullshit, but also yeah. there was another play as well where it was right Cin- at that, that same time too, right? I think it was when Cincinnati was driving into the end zone and Joe Mixon had the ball and he ran to the end zone and he was pushed in the same fashion that Patrick Mahomes was too. And they didn't call anything on Kansas city. And I think you're right. Q there's no, it's far easier to influence the referees than it is to influence players because players have a lot of pride in it. They don't want to lose and they don't want to mm-hmm. take a dive. But all you have to do, whether subconsciously or fully pilled consciously, is tell the refs, like, watch out for this or mm-hmm. call a tight game. That passing interference on Mike Hilton, which was kind of a ticky-tacky play, I mean – I also I also would question too what kind of a sports league is trying to convince us this is a, a legitimate game and it's above board when they have like hundreds of millions of dollars tied in with gambling houses. And and a lot of people point to the fact that like, oh, it's not technically a sports league, it's an entertainment league. And it's like I don't think that really matters. Yeah, that's still a really bullshit way to explain it. I mean, I think Tom, you kind of, so football is not a sport. Just make that clear. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think you, you explained it out though pretty well there, Tom. I think there's always the chance that bias will kind of creep in, in any situation where judgment is something that is being used, right? Like explicitly it's, Mm -hmm. it's, and this is, it it doesn't even matter if it's football or if it's something non-sports related, like we could be talking about, um, you know, a judge in a courtroom, we could be talking about your boss deciding who gets a promotion. There is just, uh, there's always going to be, I don't, you know, I don't think the NFL is like at all trying to be nefarious here, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that there are certain moments that, it could go either way in which they don't have a philosophy on which which way to make a call. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that it's supposed to lean in anyone's favor. I think it would be, if anything, it would be more of like the idea of like, 
make the call that's the least impactful to the the game in that moment, which is hard because almost every play is impactful. Um, So damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. It's also what happens when you have a league that's overly regulated too. Like I'm not saying that the NFL should be the way it was in the 1950s where you can kick somebody in the face, but like this is what happens when you implement rule after rule after rule every year and you essentially create an environment where the NFL has officiated itself into a corner where you have to call this stuff now. And if you don't, you're going to get people that are going to say, well, why didn't you call it on this one? And they're like, well, you know, we didn't see it. Like this is a game that everybody in America is fucking watching right now. And you created this environment. You still don't know what a catch is. You still don't know what a helmet to helmet hit is. You still don't know how you're going to call a play in the end zone. And roughing I think the passer. You still don't, don't know what roughing the passer is. And I, I think don't. nobody does. Like if you figure out any of the answers to those four, congratulations. You're fucking Columbo. You figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem though. Like they, they try to, and this is, I think what happens to a lot of sports leagues is that they try to make the rules so specific that they effectively box themselves in where everyone says like the ref should swallow the whistle at the end of the game. And they should just let him play. You did not create that environment. You created the opposite of that. It's also for perceived safety issues, right? Right. Like, so the, the roughing the passers to de-incentivize those hard hits, but it's so inconsistent and some hard hitting plays are called immediately and then there's some plays where it's like you breathe on the quarterback and you're throwing a flag. And it's like that Dexter Lawrence, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago with uh, Dexter Lawrence and Kirk Cousins. Like mm-hmm. he didn't even fall on him. He brings him down and he, Kirk Cousins ends up on top of him. Yeah. And yeah. they're called it a roughing the pass. It's like, what are you, he's not putting his weight on him. Like, <laughs> what are we little doing? spoon you to the ground. Right. right like, now. like we <laughs> said, you have to tuck them in and like read them a bedtime story and give them a little tea. And then maybe they won't call a flag on. And yeah, and I mean, you even get the calls where it looks like it's bad or it sounds like it's bad and then it's not bad at all. You know, it's like. This is what happens when you have humans that are, you know, that have their own implicit biases and they they make subjective calls. And effectively, when you have a league that's ran by humans, everyone's going to. Robot robot refs. Robot refs. Robot refs. Ref GPT. Bro, Skynet becoming fully aware during the Super Bowl and be like, you officiate this game incorrectly. You're going to be nuked now. We'll be like, I'm fine with that. But I mean, you you have people. You have people who make decisions on officiating, and they're all going to make them differently. And this might be one of the reasons why the NFL officiating is so shit. Because these people are actually not full-time employees. Like, they do this shit on the weekend in the same way that I play fucking golf on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean... Oh, go ahead, Q. I, I, well, I wanted to deviate for a second. My Kadarius Tony uh, take is... Young Joka? Is aging like fine, fine wine. He, by the way, he's already talking shit to people again on Twitter. Actually. It's just... Joe Shane masterclass. Sorry to interrupt. Wanted to throw that in there. No, proceed. (laughs) (laughs) Young Joker. God, I, that 
that pisses me off so much, man. Dave Gettleman, fucking I hate him so much. I could I could do a podcast just on Dave Gettleman, and it would be like a hundred episodes of why this guy fucking sucks. Co-hosted by Cam Newton, <laughs> D'Angelo Williams, Steve Smith, they'd all join in. Yeah. Um, so Super Bowl guys. Have your feelings like so? I picked the Chiefs to win over the Eagles. Um, I don't remember what was your guy. Do you remember your guys' picks originally when the playoffs started? Oh, when the playoffs started, I think I picked the Chiefs. I'm pretty confident in that. So you picked the Chiefs over. I think you picked the. Um, I picked Bills. You picked the Bills. Okay. I picked Bills. All right. So how do we feel? I I'll start. I have a feeling the Eagles are going to roll the Chiefs pretty hard. And it's going to be like a 47-21 type of game. Just a bad feeling overall. Well, do we want to make those picks now? Because we do have another full week. I mean, I, I think we can I think, I think we can touch upon them now and then kind of revisit it next week and see how we feel if we still feel that way. or. But I, I don't know. Just initial, initial feelings. Well, my only hesitation for that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Gatto. My only hesitation with that is effectively the Kansas City Chiefs are a fucking mash unit right now. Like, and I'm going to want to see what the injury report looks like <laughs> next week. Like, who is actually hurt on this team? Are, are any of the receivers still hurt? Is Kadarius Tony like, actually hurt, or is he, like, Giants hurt? Oh, don't worry. He, he'll be out for, like, another four weeks. So, Yeah, for the mild he, hamstring. Pull. This, is, this is where he takes his break. You know, he's like, I, I played two games and I caught like four passes. So now I get to be off for a couple games. Yeah. Playmaker. But, um, Mercole Hardman, I want to see where he is too. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have is, a hot take. Is, I, don't, um, I don't care either way. Really? Interesting. Nope. nope. Okay. You're, you're looking at a team Philly that is just confident. They look. They they've been rolling teams. And it's very I Philly gonna... of them to be confident like that. I don't like it. I hate it. And but it's it's just it just re, it's just reality. At least okay. how I see it. Um, in the fear of upsetting Nick Wright, I'm probably going to pick the Chiefs, but that might change. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I am solely putting my MPC mask on so I don't upset all of the sports journalists that are outraged that we're talking about every other quarterback but Patrick Mahomes, but <laughs> they've been talking about every other quarterback for the last like nine weeks and not Patrick Mahomes. So I've already there's already been an attempted coup on my active status and my cancellation, and I don't know if I want to have that happen again. So fair enough. We like Patrick. Gatto, early thoughts? I mean, who I want to win and who well, I, I think fear that's winning are two different things. Like, um, it's it just like, you know, because of the smoothness at which the Eagles are operating, I, I, there's a part of me that says this, this brings them into this false sense of security. Because if there is a team that's going to really try it, it's going to be the Chiefs, right? Like, don't count them out. Um, and I just, I have trouble believing it because, you know, the Eagles are so well composed. And 
not that not that um you know Cincinnati's defense is bad at all but I don't think they stack up compared to the Eagles defense and if they were able to give that much struggle to the Chiefs offense I just I have trouble seeing seeing them keep offensive pace with the Eagles even if the Eagles are having trouble themselves I still think you know matchup for matchup you know defense to offense I think the upper hand just still goes to the Eagles yeah it's just it's just that if it's one thing about the Eagles offense like I think you can kind of slow them down a little bit, at least like at least pace them a little bit. But and like the the Chiefs offense is not exactly like a you know low volume offense. Like the 49ers, I never felt like their offense was all that great. Defense was rock solid though. Problem here is that I don't know if the Chiefs defense is up to the task of slowing them down. But the most important thing for me is that like I just how do you stop? that defense how do you stop the philly defense because there's just too much depth at too many positions and they're just they're just so fast and so like ridiculous to to take an take another weird analogy um like i think with the 49ers their offense they have a lot of offensive weapons and they are very good especially if they could figure out their their quarterback situation they'll be back next year for sure um but I think they're a team that needs to get the ball rolling downhill, right? And once they have that momentum, that's when that offense really shines. The thing with the Eagles' offense, to me, I mean, it might be even be this whole team. It's just like they're they're just like Mike Myers in Halloween. Like no matter how many times you think you've put him down, he's just right back after you, chasing you down, fucking doing his slaughterhouse thing. You know, I will also say matter. to that point, Gatto, those two receivers that they have, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, going up against rookie cornerbacks in a Super Bowl, like those guys for Kansas City are good, but AJ Brown is like a grown up compared to a lot of those dudes. He's a grown ass man. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I thought he was he was uh sunsetting a little bit. He was actually someone who I had high in the draft, but he went earlier than expected. Um, beast, beast. I mean, fantasy football, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's and and another guy that the Giants should have drafted. Eighty-eight catches, fifteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns this year. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, you know because. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman moved up and back into the first round to get DeAndre Baker, who lasted one year instead of AJ Brown. No, <laughs> that's great. Oh, good. Love Dave Gettleman us. podcast starting soon. It's called the Revenge Tour. <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking send him the audio. Like, I'm just gonna email him everything. I'm gonna find out his email. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking hack into his fucking Nintendo Wii, and I'm just gonna like harass him all day. Can I ask you guys about, um, so there's obviously a lot of like Kansas city hyping themselves up and saying that no one believed in them and that nobody wanted them to win. Do you guys buy that? I mean, I know teams do this shit, but I felt, it feels so much less true for the chiefs than any other team. 
this this I feel like last week that was that was an internet move by like the same people that are on like um it's like the the same people that are that are just like betting thinking they're they're making a master class here out of like um uh what was that GameStop stock you know yeah. like those GameStop stock guys they're trying to like send like mental missiles at you know the Kansas City Chiefs and and trying to neg them into losing or something you know like that's that's what that was they were tr- they thought they were playing like 4D chess um, in in a matter that they were insignificant because it doesn't matter what happens outside of those sixty minutes, you know. Yeah, I just I just kept hearing that, and it seems like over the last two weeks there's been such a narrative of like, particularly from major sports companies, like sports media companies, saying like, why is nobody talking about Patrick Mahomes? I'm like, we have when- a po- we have a podcast, granted. <laughs> But we're not fucking ESPN. Like, if we say we're talking about Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, it's going to be way different from ESPN saying, is, like, is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the league? Or is Brock Purdy a secret MVP candidate? Like, go talk to Dan Orlovsky and Mike Greenberg then. Like, those are the fucking people that are saying that stupid shit. I fucking hate this conversation about who's the best quarterback in the league. And it's like, it feels like ESPN and NFL Network, they, like, have this conversation constantly. Guess what? It changes week to week. And it's like, you're, like, you know, like, everyone's like, oh, Burrow's better. Oh, Mahomes better. They're both fucking amazing. They're both amazing. The problem is they can't make, you know, airtime out of that conversation queue. <laughs> I think but like but like I think the simple reality is like you're comparing apples and oranges. Joe Burrow is maybe the best medium depth thrower I've ever seen in or maybe in the last like I don't know, two decades. A guy who can carve you up in the mid-range constantly has an knack for finding guys deep down the field, especially Chase. Obviously they have a history together. Mahomes is the best improviser I've maybe ever seen. Where he's a fucking he, magician. Yeah. He he can make it happen. He's a great deep ball thrower and he just is a fucking playmaker. They're different quarterbacks. Both I would take in a fucking second. This just kind of comes back to the fact that all of football is just a giant exercise in tribalism though. Yeah, so and we're going to We have about to have our leader we're going to hear the entire off season too. And it was funny watching like that clip of Dan Orlovsky, like rationalize himself, himself into knots about the difference between Patrick Mahomes and all these compliments that he gave to him. And then Joe Burrow and the, the expression, but it was on Bomani Jones's show. And he was like, the way that he described Patrick Mahomes, he's like, he's a fantastic quarterback, but Joe Burrow just does better quarterback things. I'm like, dog, you ran out of the fucking end zone. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to talk to us about good quarterback play. Like you're on the show because you are, nobody um, does not like you. <laughs> I, you know what though? I'm going to say though, NFL live with uh, number one, like uh, they, they, they're, it's a great show. I, 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 I will say Dan Orlovsky, uh, he gets a lot of crap and, and it's, it's definitely deserved, but he's a great analyst. He is. Oh, Dan knows the man. He is when he's in that four o'clock time slot. As soon as you go to that, like 9 a.m. time slot with like, get up with Mike Greenberg and that whole crew, it's like your IQ show. drops off a fucking cliff. Hey, look, yeah. the, the reality is 
They are here to entertain you. Are you not entertained? It's not easy being an analyst. Him, Max like, Kellerman, like all of these dudes. Doug Gottlieb is another one. Colin mm-hmm. Cowherd. All these, obviously, Colin, Skip. Colin all Cowherd. these dudes just do is just talk shit the whole time. And they take like a random event that happened. Like, see, I was right here. And it's like, guy, you you talk for fucking three hours a day. I, you're going to be right eventually. But that's what you got to do when you're like doing that for a living. Like, we're doing it for for our friends right now, you and know we're I mean? right like, about everything. <laughs> we think we are. Someone's someone's gonna come in and say every every take you have is fucking absolute. My takes shit. are my takes are and that's the thing. Shit, so. Yeah, no, seriously, all my takes. I'm an amateur. Look, Ben <laughs> Shapiro loves our takes. <laughs> no, but I, but I, I I I've said though NFL live. Marcus Spears is one of the best analysts they have Mina Kimes and uh, I like Orvlosky, but they're all like, everyone gets annoying after a while because it's like, it's just the nature of like sports debate is that it's like, we used to have like weekly shows and now like we live in the 24 hour news cycle where everything is under a microscope constantly. And it feels like, like the recency bias that constantly happens. Like you gotta let it, you gotta let these things kind of play out a little bit before we can really have like a full judgment on that. We used to build Ooh. things in this country, Q. We need more well, electricians. Like, like you're saying, though. Like more every... elevator operators. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will need them because chat GPT is going to put us all out of jobs, man. Good. Oh, let, it ha- let it happen. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really hoping for, like, the universe of Wally, where all I do is just lay in my recliner and watch TV <laughs> and just get circulated throughout a spaceship. <laughs> not not going to lie. Bad. Not going to lie. I would I'd be okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> I could think of worse opportunities, like <laughs> sitting in fucking traffic for 45 minutes or like what you guys have had to do is sitting on the midnight train to New York City. Yeah, I mean, that's a borderline horror show. Oh, man. <laughs> um, any thought? Any other thoughts on the Kansas City game? It was Tony good. Rom- Tony was Romo exciting. is not good at his job. It was cold. <laughs> yeah, it's a wind chill of four degrees. Yeah, that's and so people were complaining about like why they couldn't hear the whistle at times from the ref. I bet the thing was fucking freezing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um. No, I think two two teams played their fucking hearts out. Um, and you know the team that I think has the better chance of the two against the Eagles will be in the Super Bowl. That's yeah. kind of my take on that one. Yeah, I, I think I agree. The Chiefs were the, definitely the better team. It's just, of course, here we go again with the fucking discourse of, you know. It's NFL, also the better story. NFL rigged. It's, yeah. It is a better story for the NFL. Andy Reid against his old team. Kelsey, Kelsey versus Kelsey. Kelsey <laughs> you know, it, it I, just... I'll tell you what, though. If it was San Francisco, Cincinnati, that would be a real fucking boring game. Like, there's no emotional investment in any of those places. It's just yeah, like but... two strangers fucking in a lonely <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Think about I, it. I can't, I can't tell if it. I like that wrong. better. I can't tell if I like that better than Throat Code of Liberty. I, I don't think I do, <laughs> but it's up there. <laughs> you know, this NFL game, it's like two strangers fucking in a hotel room. Don't tell Tony <laughs> Romo to find or Chris a Collins. Analogy. There is one. I dare you. <laughs> I can't. It's perfect. So I fucking love that. God. I mean, since he 
Niners, it, it feels that way, right? 60, I mean, 60 Niners. Yeah, that's got them. Yeah, that would have been a real fucking boring game. And watching the mayor of San Francisco and the mayor of Cincinnati like slap fight each other over which city is cooler, I would just want the sun to come and swallow us up. This is a good like lesson to shut the fuck up before a game. Stop giving bolts and uh, board material because like he what did he call it? A uh, burrowhead? He yeah, it, yeah, burrowhead. arrowhead, burrowhead. It's dumb. <laughs> just dumb. Burrowhead, my ass. <laughs> Yeah, and imagine yelling. Travis Kelsey, like, television. dude, we get it. You, you're yeah. upset, but you're oh trying my God. hard. The disrespected That's my hero of the week moment. <laughs> yeah, disrespected Patrick Mahomes. It's like they so badly want to be fucking underdogs. It's so funny. They are the they are the UGA of the NFL, where all those players in Georgia were like, people thought we were going to go under 500. Like <laughs> nobody thought that. <laughs> you're fucking Georgia. <laughs> One of the always have a top three recruiting class, have one of the best coaches in college football. No one I believed mean, in us. Like, but okay, man. Respectively, I understand their point too, because they had the best record in the AFC, and yet people were still treating them like the most likely to lose in in that game. You know but what I mean? Like that that's always what happens with a consistent winner though. It happened with the Patriots all the time when they were just going to over and when they were going to AFC Championship games over and over and over again. It was always like, "Oh, is this going to be Peyton's year to beat Tom Brady?" And he did it fucking once or twice when he was with Indianapolis and it was just I mean we we often forget about like quality teams until they show up and beat the piss out of somebody. I'm not saying that Cincinnati got the piss beat out of them, but they did still lose that game all the same. I, yeah. I, you know, and I think a little bit is that they knew they were going to also be underdogs going into this into the Super Bowl too. Mm-hmm. I think they they know that that's going to be the case, and it is the case by by Vegas standards. So yeah, but yeah. All right, I want to move on to cringe stories. Yay. So cringe. posted this in the Discord the other day about the most cringe things you experienced while you were in high school. Oh, and we had some really good ones in there. Hang on, let me just message one person. Yes, I'd really like to thank you guys. Those were shocking. Horrible. Yeah, wanna, <laughs> but you you are a bunch of sickos. I want to thank Nasty Nate for giving me fucking absolute nightmares, <laughs> um, and Ben as well for his other story too. And frankly, like I don't know how we're all not in fucking therapy right now. But guys, I want to start with you all first, and then I'll read a couple off. Any other cringy stories that you thought of? Q, I don't think you put one in there. No, because I won't lie. My high school memories are not great. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Gatto, Gatto and I were like around each other a lot in high school. Maybe he can like, I, I'd say like, I don't know. So I, I there was a couple weird ones. Um, there was, there was. Like I remember, once they had to call the uh, fire department um, because a kid. There, there was this one kid. It was a bit of an oddball. Um, 
and uh, he used to sit in class and kind of do one of these and like, <sighs> and he had this big crush on this one girl um, that Q and I both knew. And one day he was like sitting in class behind her doing his weird. <sighs> and I guess he was like touching things under the desk and he jammed one of his fingers real deep into <laughs> like you know how like there's the metal like you know how the desk has like you know the the desk part attached to the seat and there's like a metal tube yeah that kind of comes down to the like the opening the hole on the desk he like jammed his finger in there i don't know why or what and um when it happened and he realized he couldn't just pull it out he freaked the fuck out um and he like it was like you know when like a mouse or or something gets like their foot trapped you know in like a, a trap or something it like tries to like almost like gnaw it off and it's like shaking frantically and it's like doing whatever um yeah he was in a frantic panic like trying to run around the classroom trying to i'm gonna have to ask i'm gonna have to ask you off off here who that is i don't remember who this is. i've i've mentioned this person to you a few times and you're like i don't recall who it is and then i'll i'll mention the instrument he used to play in band and you'd be like oh that kid Uh, okay yeah yeah well so i do i do remember so the last so if god will remember this the last year of our senior year in high school, they got rid of the attendance policy. So it used to be a very strict policy. There's what, 180 days roughly in the school year, mm-hmm. probably missed a hundred of them. Um, and a lot of that was because I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. It sets a real precedent. Um <laughs> So a lot of that was obviously because I was a fucking stoner and I didn't feel like going to school, but I would argue also we had about, I don't know, five or six bomb threats throughout that entire year, at least maybe more where we would get to school and there's fire department there. There's cops there. There was one guy who would get into a lot of fights with people and he showed up one day wearing a bulletproof vest, not underneath his clothing over his clothing and proceeded to like be very loud about it and um yeah so that that's to, to me i remember sitting there being like this is just the cringiest thing i've ever seen in my life so but like it tells you a good story of how william floyd at one point was so um rough yeah. around the edges yeah it, <laughs> there that's a nice way of putting it <laughs> i mean god there's there i think one of the other cringy things too was there was like some real creep teachers um there was a particular gym teacher that at the time you didn't realize that how how terrible it truly was now am Um, i wrong though that one of them just stopped showing up once and i had heard a rumor that there was some misconduct going on I, i i can't say for sure but I just remember not seeing that particular teacher ever again. I mean, imagine like, imagine being a fisherman who stands in front of like where they pour the fresh fish from the farm into the lake and just casting your rod in there. That's what this guy was basically doing. There, like, there, I shared a meme with you guys of like, you're in basically in gym class and then the gym teacher is basically ogling the same chick as you. And like it was based on experience. Um, yeah. 
guy probably my age now coaching gym and like just a little too friendly with uh and again like i feel like every school had that though they had that one fucking gym teacher too it's it's either a gym teacher or like a new teacher who is just like yo man this is not like a bar like you don't pick people up here like you're fucking old dude you when we say old you're 25 years old it's like come on like you shouldn't be like you, hitting well, on high is, school kids the other thing is like, this isn't like this isn't like you know 2 a.m at fucking public house right like i don't i'm a high school kid you probably shouldn't be telling me how you're hooking up with the other the hot gym teacher right like the the girl's gym teacher over there he like, shouldn't, shouldn't be. but respect like respect yeah no like <laughs> but that's the thing you shouldn't be trying to like sad brag to a bunch of high school kids right that's yeah the there was a lot of that going on and it's like man like you don't have any friends do you because like <laughs> which which i totally understand now like being in the the real world and you know mm. like you you work all day like the last thing i really want to do is be social so i get that there was another time <laughs> where there was a there was this kid i don't remember i couldn't recall his name if i if you put a gun to my head uh but he was i remember i was in a science class and he was a he was one of those guys that like was just always talking we had this old science teacher that was just a real fucking pain in the dick she was always like just super fucking rude miss Rhodes. I don't remember her name. I, 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 I'm just blowing her up. She's probably dead by now. She was a thousand years old then. She was so Fuck. fucking rude all the time, but like people love to torture her. I don't. I one day I don't know how this kid had a fucking tomato on him, but she's yelling at him and like telling him to stop, like shut up, like and like not in a nice way either. And like I don't think he was doing anything that egregious that day. It was probably just boiled over. He threw the fucking tomato at the wall, at the board, and I don't know if he, I'm assuming he intended to hit her and, like, missed. The fucking thing explodes all over her, and she starts sobbing. She starts sobbing. (laughs) (laughs) At an old woman crying. If it's the teacher, I'm thinking of you're laughing at an old woman crying. You're laughing. (laughs) No, you're laughing. You're laughing. If it's the teacher, (laughs) I'm thinking of. Oh my god. She runs out of the room crying, and we wasn't a math teacher, was it? No, science. Definitely science. We're sitting there, and it's a fucking deaf silence comes on the room, and we're all just like what the fuck because like again we're used to her i expected her once that happened i'm like she's gonna fucking lose her shit on him no she just sobs and runs out and everyone just started like it instantly turned the entire room against him and you just saw people just fucking chiding him that today most uncomfortable thing i've ever probably gone through in like a school (laughs) oh man i fucking love it um, I have a cringe story, but it wasn't when I was in high school. It was when I was student teaching, actually. So I was it was my last placement of my last semester in college, and I was teaching like an eighth grade social studies class. That's cringe. Um, go, yeah, go for it, Tom. I'm gonna get to nasty Nate in a second. That that is, yeah. I, I we I, we have to get to that soon. Um, what the fuck was that? <laughs> wow. Welcome yeah, to Georgia. Wow. <laughs> um, Jesus so, Christ. 
So I'm teaching an eighth grade social studies class. And I don't remember what we're talking about specifically, um, but my supervising teacher is not there. And I have a sub that day. And he's like, yeah, you, you, if you want to run the whole class, you can. So I taught all of the sections, which is great. And then fucking nerd at, at one point, I think it was like six or seventh period. He comes up to me and he was like, you know, I was in Vietnam. I'm like, okay. Oh. I was like, all right, cool. Love cool, that man. for you. And he's like, you know, there used to be prostitutes in the, the cities that we were stationed in and they put razor blades in their mouths. And I'm like, yeah. And I've heard in other places too. Yeah. I was like, okay. Common, common and that was like I'm, one of I'm like 13. <laughs> I was I was 22 years old at the time, so I was certainly mature enough to like understand where he was going with that. But at the same time, I'm like, guy, you're like a fucking like it's... grown up saying this to me. And then the next day, my fucking supervising teacher is like, who was the who was the sub? And I still yeah, da, 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 da. and he's like, oh that guy. I'm like, what do you <laughs> mean? He's like. That guy got fired because he tied someone's legs to the chair, like a desk chair, and the kid tried to get up and he fell over and he broke his arm. Oh my god! So like a practical joke? As no, as a form of like discipline. The kid <laughs> wouldn't sit in his chair, so he tied his legs to the fucking legs of the chair. <laughs> this is college. This is a middle school. Oh, middle school. Okay. I was I was teaching. You were, you were, you were teaching in the middle school. Okay. Jesus. So this is what is all about, huh? Yeah. And I was just like, dude, what? He's Holy like, yeah, you he's like to... we did this in Nam, it's cool. He's like, if we did it in to... Nam, it's it's perfectly acceptable. We called it the old you Saigon Tigon. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus man. Christ. Okay. So Nate posted in the chat here. Thank you, nasty Nate, for all I'm, of that. I'm going to need uh, fucking therapy after the. So moment. Nate has provided us with some true like gems, like the caviar of cringe. So the, yeah, AP, you're king econ, cringe right now. <laughs> the AP econ teacher had pictures of girls in prom dresses behind his desk on the wall. We're talking like hundreds of pictures from four years. Admin saw it, did nothing and said nothing. Fast forward to my senior year when news breaks of this teacher and another senior student who were sending the nudes back and forth. Admin at the school were so blown away and surprised. Hashtag cringe. There's a lot of cringe to be handed out in this one. Honestly, oh. that shit does not shock me. No, not at all. No. We like creepy teachers are always going to be there. I, I remember we had um, in middle school, there was a science teacher that would give extreme favoritism to the girls that he clearly like had an old man crush on. Like I would ask him a question and he'd be like, like go read it in a fucking text. Yeah. Like basically <laughs> like, what the fuck are you asking me? What are you asking me a fucking question for? What am I? Oh, I'm your teacher. But you know, fuck you anyway. And like the girl would ask him, he goes, sweetie, that's such a good question. Like it would just be like, man, like dude, like, and this dude was like 50 something. And it's like living that dream, whatever it is. We also, by the way, God, I don't know if you had this guy. We had a tech teacher that claimed that he dated an actress. Do you remember this guy? Of course. Wait, wait. Uh, in in high school? Uh, yeah. School? Uh, the the maybe high. I'm guessing high school. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Uh... We. I had a te I had a, te a tech teacher 
Um, and he basically was claiming that he dated an actress. And the form of proof that he would show everybody was a fucking Polaroid of them standing together. Could have been at like an event. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we dated like for years. And I was like, okay, man, cool. Is, isn't it weird when teachers are like really like biting for your approval yeah like, i was like this, this is, is this so is something you didn't weird. get when you were in high school right like that's what this is yeah he didn't yeah he didn't get the camaraderie so nate uh nate put in that <laughs> apparently his school's in the same town that deliverance was filmed in <laughs> jesus <laughs> fucking christ <laughs> Nate's got some stories. <laughs> oh no. Um, okay, let's get to another one in here. And this one is from Ben. God. So I was in the fifth grade in the front row. All of a sudden I hear a downpouring of rain, and I was thinking, man, the weather outside is terrible. Turns out it was a kid in the back row making it rain through his Catholic school uniform and painting the classroom floor yellow. Oh, Luckily, he had God. backup uniforms. <laughs> I, I have a lot of questions on that one because, mm. like, what, what, like, he just, he just fucking dropped draw and just fucking started pissing everywhere. <laughs> was he trying to make a point, or was he like, yeah, was it defiance, or was it what, just that he had like issues? I mean, remain yeah. ungovernable, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think we've all had those moments. I puked. In front. like I I remember I was in like second grade I think it was and I had this like horrific crush on this one chick and like I like she was in orchestra with me and I used to get there early in the morning with with like you know to play instruments and I remember I was so sick one morning and I fucking was I was right in front of her and I just started puking everywhere and it was the like saddest moment <laughs> Yeah, we didn't go to the same elementary school. No, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that like I, I I almost hear I hear that and I almost feel bad because it's like yeah, I've been there, man. I will say I think it was um, first grade. It was pizza day. Pizza there is trash, but when you're like mm -hmm. nine years and old, chocolate pizza and milk. Those, those yeah, and pizza and chocolate. Yeah, it was the Elios, and it's like. <laughs> No, not, not even real cheese on it. It's just like basically. So it's no, the these... end of the day and I'm packing up to go. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't feel so good. And it was the way that our classrooms were constructed. It was the first grade and then the second grade. And I just remember my teacher like, are you all right? And I just barfed all over the floor like three or four times. And turns out I had stomach flu. And that was. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the marinara on the pizza was extra spicy because that shit once made me sick too. Wasn't that no, but it was just imagine in a room full of 50 people and you're just puking your guts out everywhere. Everything that you had eaten from like four hours before is now on the ground. It was, um, it's <laughs> a lot to come back from. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's no coming back from that either, because like you are now officially the person that was. Good thing I moved. Before. No one remembered me after. Yeah. That. Debatable. <laughs> that is very debatable. I remember. I think it was like first or second grade. We were on the playground, and there was like you know, like where they connect like the different parts of the like jungle gym or whatever, and um, we were like 
like we had one side of the tube, people were like pushing in and trying to pack in, and the other side, and sure as shit, my fucking ass is in the middle, and I'm laughing really hard. I'm like, guys, I gotta get out. I'm gonna pee. I'm gonna piss myself. <laughs> sure as shit, I pissed myself. Only one person holds it against me to this day. <laughs> yeah, Nate, Nate brings up a great point. Why the fuck did they always give us milk with everything? Like, like I understand, like, oh, they were giving you protein and all that for young young people, but it's like, man, that you're, that is pure fucking like havoc in your stomach, dairy and then fucking like cheeseburgers. Yeah, Dude. if anything, they should give us protein powder. Right. If, if, yeah, gains maybe. Fucking raw it really, it really had to be like big in your mouth, just powder right in your fucking mouth. Dude, it was it was big dairy. Bro. I'm just big raw dog and protein over here, man. I mean. You went to Floyd. That's all we did. That and fucking steroids. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I remember seeing kids like this was the obvious one, but I remember kids in the locker room getting ready to go to the gym and they'd just be like housing like unflavored creatine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I've taken like a baseline health class and I know that creatine does nothing. Did did God and I ever tell you about the time we took red lines? No, but this sounds good. So Gato and I go to the gym. Gato, we're probably like, what, 18, 17, 18? So, so hold on, hold on. Just to make sure, because I don't know how long these were on the market and if it wasn't illegal in your state right off the bat. It wasn't <laughs> illegal in New York State for, I don't know, a couple years you could get these yeah. energy drinks. They were They're still they, they still sell them, but yeah. they are they severely, changed the formula. Yeah, they changed the formula. It's kind of like Four Loco. Back in the day, Four Loco was just like fucking madness juice. And now it's kind of like a muted Four Loco. You can still get them. So we're, Gato and I go to the gym with a, with a mutual, mutual friend and we're working out and we heard about red lines. Everyone was talking about red line. We get one behind the counter. We drink one. And mind you, it says drink half the bottle, give it an hour. And if you're not like, you know, after an hour or so, if you're feeling, if you it, don't experience chest right. pains, yeah, yeah. Then you can go and have the other half, have the other half. <laughs> so we drink the entire thing right away, of course. And we're not as like, one does. And I'm like, I'm looking at, we were looking at each other and we're like, I don't feel shit. Like, so we decided to go get another one. I, I feel like this story is slightly different because I feel we were egged on by the other person. That there was, there yeah. The other said, guy. You weren't, ma- we weren't man enough to drink two red lines. I think he was also like, well, if you don't feel anything, go get another one. And like, I, we, of course, you know, 17 years old and never backing down from a challenge, we decided to have a second one. Again, got through the entire workout, didn't feel anything. And I was like, eh, all right, whatever, no big deal. Yeah. No, I didn't feel anything from my legs down for like three days. <laughs> I get home because like we were, we were going to meet up, like we had plans to meet up later and, and like drink and hang out. I fucking passed out in my room, like literally fucking collapsed in my room, woke up hours later and I called Gato and he's like, I fucking fucked up too. It was like, I, I think we almost died like ODing on red lines back then. So, and yeah, and that night, so I was, I was so wired up. I was actually, I went out with this girl who I had a thing for and we went like jumping Terrible. from party to party and i was just a fucking train wreck the entire night 
Um, I started and, pouring sweat, and then yeah. I just literally felt my heart like jumping out of my chest. And I, I next thing I know, I'm on the fucking ground. Mixing alcohol with those with that thing too was just such a bad idea. Man. You have well, to understand was, those energy yeah. drinks were. Well, yeah, and you have to understand, Tom, from where we were coming from, like we would go to parties and people were handing out like morphine lollipops and shit. So it's yeah, like this was pretty really... drugs were pretty custom around where we were from. Like, obviously, we didn't we didn't weren't indulging in all that stuff. But like, like, you know, it was just commonplace pretty much. That was actually a weird adjustment at college was like people were like, oh, you got to like throw down if you want to like smoke some of this weed and i'm like oh wait you don't just like give that to me whenever, like it's available like what's going on here like god on god on i shared god on i used to like od on fucking red line that was our fucking shit um i remembered it i just remembered a another cringe story from high school actually so I can't top what you guys were talking about, so I'm just going to move on. <laughs> um, so in high school, there was a kid who was in my grade who I knew like in middle school and he was pretty cool then, but like so many people like kind of turned in high school and just became a real kind of weirdo. Turns out this dude was running essentially like a prostitution ring in the school what yeah where he would effectively like pimp girls this should have been all over newsday it's a different time back then i mean the print version yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i just remember like it was the b-wing downstairs bathroom was like where you would go if you wanted to like fool around with one of these girls that he had like effectively working for her and I'm I'm just sitting there and I was like, I felt like when I was in high school, I had a pretty good handle on how the world worked. Like I was not naive to the fact that people were paying for sex, but I'm like, this is in high school though. Like this is like a thing. Like I've, just, I've, I've watched a lot of movies. I've seen Con Air, but this has never happened to me. It's That's um wild, Long Island. Everyone thinks it's like this, like very wholesome type of place, you know, suburbia and all that. No it's one little, thinks that. No, a bunch <laughs> of assholes. It's just way more excess, though. Like that <laughs> thing is like, if it's kids are going to be the same thing. It's just in suburbia. Like there's there's fewer people asking questions because no one gives a shit. So, like, it was totally normal to go to somebody's house whose parents were gone for. a like a night or a weekend and like completely trash the place and just drink a shit ton of beer and then leave or like people just to show up randomly at your house. Like, Oh, we heard there was a party here. Like no party here. Like, fuck. (laughs) We're just all hanging out. Yeah. No, I think the expectation from like movies, like project X and stuff like really changed. (laughs) That's right. Fucking roast it's, him. We got this roast him, mate. We got this real hands-on event going on tomorrow. I'm, I'm loving this roast session of Tom right now. I'm I'm, I'm actually for it. dude, I'm I'm a little shocked by that one. Like still though, like so this kid read like Iceberg Slim's autobiography and decided I could do that too. Yeah, Is pretty that much. 
That's fucking. But he, like, he's kind of like a gothy kid, though. That was the funny part. It it was like that track's actually a little bit better. I think it's always the one you least expect. Yeah, yeah. it's always <laughs> exactly. the quiet ones. <laughs> He's like he, he kept talking about how how badly he wanted to die just because like he was just he was just trying to cover for his illegal operation. We all know. I mean, you wear a fedora either way, so <laughs> there's always a fucking kid wearing a fedora. There's always yeah. one who looks like a fucking Frank Sinatra like cover cover band. There was a kid in um, <laughs> very much so. Nate. That's my there next was a Halloween in, costume. There was a kid in college that um, was in the same year that Gatto and I were in, and he lived in my building, and he wore a trench coat and a fedora, but he was like a theater kid. Oh no! And it was that was, was the other thing. Though. Did he have a Did he have a neck beard? Like it was it was getting there. It was getting there. Yeah. It was not quite filled in yet, but you could see it had I, the foundations of a beard that came I don't remember directly this. from the neck. I, I love goth pimp though, because like goths obviously like crave death, but like he's like, I crave death, but at first I'm gonna get this paper. <laughs> he's a goth with priorities. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta stun on him first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> what did you guys have theater kids too? Oh yeah. 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 I just were... remember sitting in the cafeteria uh, and there's like four people just starting to sing. I'm like, yo, shut the fuck like up. Le- they're doing like they're doing like Les Rob in the fucking lunchroom and you're like, I... shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I gotta be honest. I got along with I got along with the theater did, kids. They were I all pretty them. pretty cool. I they're so cringy. I hated them. That was cringy though. Like, when but I was also like a, they, I was just a awesome. barrel of testosterone back then too. So it's like you know. <laughs> but that was the thing though. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're a barrel of testosterone or not. It's more like in the same way that you hate when somebody with a fucking guitar gets on the subway and starts singing to you. It's the same thing. Like, I'm in a confined space. I can't go anywhere right now. I you're don't want to hear you sing. Like, I didn't yeah. choose this. Like. I don't care if you just learned how to sing like the musical adaptation of the film big. I don't give a fuck. I'm trying to eat my sandwich in peace because I hate this place. (laughs) (laughs) And I was very much one of those people. Like I, I didn't really run in any circles. I was like uh, kind of just like by myself and I just was like sitting there and I'm like, these fuckers won't shut the fuck. I can't leave here and I'm not distracted. Like I shut the fuck up. Q is just bouncing the cafeteria door. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to leave. You got your student ID? No, no, man. You can't come in. (laughs) Instead of like holding the door open for the next person, he's shutting it and holding it. Fucking theater kids. You're all trouble. Get out of here. (laughs) They're just so fucking loud, man. (laughs) The, the The ninth and tenth grade fucking cafeteria, man. Remember that thing? It was in the basement of it was a Flo- in the bomb shelter. It was a Floyd. dungeon. And once once I was able to not have to eat lunch in there ever again, I never went down there. Ever. So Tom, we had two cafeterias. One was for the ninth and tenth graders. It was a fucking dungeon. Yeah. It was downstairs in the basement. No natural Usher light. Baby, feed him shit and keep him in the dark. <laughs> very, <laughs> very neutral tones. And the then they place. had Gray, the horrible. junior and senior lunchroom, which was a like nothing but natural light beaming in, like an atrium. Just, kind yeah, of it was. Like it was a beautiful new lights. cafeteria. 
and it Round was like cables. you could see outside into the parking lot and all that. So like you could you like, could see oh, freedom. I'm the so close. Smiled yeah. with all her teeth. Okay, <laughs> I'm so close to freedom. Oh. and like it just like we just you just got shat on. There was also another cafeteria too that was like kind of in the middle. That's where I yeah, had that was uh, the 11th grade. The 12th okay. grade was like that's right. That's right. Which it was oh, man. It was so weird. It was so Our high school, weird. they had like all of these options where you could sit and hang out, except you couldn't do any of that. Like in the <laughs> middle of like the main atrium of our high school, they had what they called the pit, which was just like stairs that led down into like this like recessed part of the floor. There was supposed to be like a communal area, but you was couldn't that just do like where everyone fought. You could never go anywhere in our high school. Like you couldn't leave the cafeteria. You oh, couldn't God. like they had all of these like open areas to sit and congregate and you can never do any of that shit. It was just it blew my mind. Like, why do we have all this stuff if we're not allowed to fucking use it? Like benches so, everywhere. There was like a reflection garden. You couldn't leave the place like everyone assumed the killer from Scream was going to come out and take them away. <laughs> Some architect sold your superintendent on that fucking idea mm-hmm. and waved some papers around like, we did a study. This will work. Your students will thank you. You'll be the best superintendent ever. They'll never expect you to be embezzling. My favorite lunchroom flight fights were my favorite, though. Oh, they were because, the best. Because it's like everyone's just sitting there. It's the best part of your day because you're eating and like you're just kind of sitting there talking. And like this is the time to settle scores. Why don't you wait until fucking math class starts, then settle the score? <laughs> it's pay per view, baby. Yeah, exactly. No, no, seriously. Like it was. When else do you, you wanted people to know you were fighting? I guess yeah, that was, it was time to flex. Time to flex on them. Psychology, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sad brag. I'm gonna be in detention for the next week. Oh, you thought you were having chicken nuggets? No, you're getting this fist. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone always fought over stupid shit too. Like there was, there was no actually, at least from my perception, there was no like legitimate beef between people in my high school. They were just talking shit to each other, and then they One said, can- "You know what? I'm gonna pull your hair." These are two dudes fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that our high school experiences were pretty cringe. Can go on forever. Oh, there's I plenty. Think, yeah, we're probably a little too far removed at this point to remember any of the like the really good shit that we've just suppressed at this point. Yeah, I feel like your college stories would probably be more relevant. My college stories were working being a bartender and hating my life at a catholic university and you guys uh were in a fraternity so yeah very different experiences i was gonna mention um we did a red line challenge similar to what you guys did except it was with red bull vodka pitchers and it was a day drinking it was a day drinking thing on a saturday where there was somebody that somebody knew who was being a bartender at a place and we all Gatto and me are 18 or 19 years old. At that point, Gatto, you were probably 19 because your birthday's earlier than mine. So we all went down to the woodshed at like the woodshed. one, <laughs> one o'clock maybe. And it's just like pitcher after pitcher of Red Bull vodka, electric Gatorade, pitchers of beer. And I just remember sitting in the fraternity house with Gatto and I don't remember. We don't know what to do at this point. Like we're fucking like we're not drunk, 
but we're definitely not sober either. And everyone's just all fucking beaming out of their minds because it's just, I drank like a, four pints of Red Bull today and I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah. Having fucking heart palpitations. Well, I, I've never woken up like so aware in my life, actually, except for the next day after that. Where yeah, I literally I'm, just I'm sat too- straight up in bed like I had been up for 10 hours, <laughs> which I probably my mind probably was just I had shut down. Not a single REM sleep, not a crumb of REM for the. No, UN. your heart rate was just like the low 70s <laughs> while you were trying to sleep. <laughs> oh, God. God. Yeah. Crazy. We'll have to do a live show and talk about that again. Oh, it's... there's. Yeah. Yeah, there's we plenty. Can... We could put the patchog capers in there as well. Oh god, got plenty of that. <laughs> we got material, folks. Stick around. <laughs> yeah. So what you say, folks? Gentlemen, do you want to do picks and assholes? Sure. You guys can start. Um so Gatto, I'm gonna go ahead and get it started, except I am not going to pick an asshole, but instead I'm going to pick a hero of the week. And my hero of the week is going to be Matt Berlin. So Matt Berlin is the goalie at the University of Alberta, and he was selected to be the emergency goalie for the Edmonton Oilers the other night where he got a phone call while he was doing his homework. The Edmonton was like, hey, man, we uh, <laughs> we need a little help. Can you come in and just be a backstop for us? And you rarely hear about like non-team official guys serving in a goalie capacity, but like an emergency goalie is always great to see. So, I mean, Matt Berlin, he's probably like some 20-year-old kid who got to play in a professional setting and I don't have an asshole because the GOP is too easy this week. So, uh, Matt Berlin, you're my hero of the week. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I'm, I'm actually reading up a little bit about it, but I, I, I saw you had shared that, and I was like, that's fucking wild, man. Um, that he came in and did that. What a cool opportunity, too. Yeah. And to I mean, rise up to that situation and take that call and do that, man. <laughs> he is a 25 year old goalie from the University of Alberta. And um, he was summoned to an emergency role after Stuart Skinner was ruled out with an illness too late for the Oilers to summon their team's regular goalies. Berlin was signed to an amateur tryout, but he was not expected to play ahead of backup Jack Campbell. And he got into the game when um, the Oilers went up 5-1. to Yeah, that's wild. He had one save on one shot with a 1,000% save percentage. Good for him. Nice. Legend. (laughs) Yeah. Retire now, my dude. (laughs) Uh, I kind of, you know, there are a lot of assholes in the GOP. Um, this one's a common one, you know, Mike McCarthy, <laughs> uh, just for the way that he, um, handled like a situation with, uh, reporters recently about a question regarding George Santos and how he danced around it, pre- trying to pretend to that it didn't exist at all. Like that the question was never even posed, um, 
you know, I don't think he has any plans to get rid of him because he takes he takes criticism and eyes and attention off of what the job he's doing. And that feels twice as spineless as anything else. Um, so, you know, it just feels fair to remind everybody that that's shitty and he's an asshole. So, also, I didn't really do any back research on this week of assholes. Sometimes well, I got to look for them. They don't just uh, always pop up for you. I think honesty in this... Yeah. What were you saying, Q? We love, we love the honesty. Yeah. It's okay if you didn't do your homework. In high school, they would have yelled at you. Here, I never did my homework in high school. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't think you did do much like research on Kevin McCarthy to know that he's just a spineless dweeb. And yeah, it's his mic, didn't I? He did announce, by the way, no cuts to Medicare or Social Security. So Dark Brandon rides again. Congratulations, Kevin. You did exactly what you're supposed to. Dark Brandon, baby. Got him. But yeah, um, if you guys saw what's his name, um, Jim Jordan on Meet the Press, basically doing like mental gymnastics to try to Jim Short Jordan with a G, Jim, Mm -hmm. um, explaining why Trump won't be investigated for anything, but Joe Biden will. And believe it or not, (laughs) Chuck Todd is like the voice of reason in that conversation. He's like, none of this makes any sense. Like, the thing is, though, like. People who are pro Joe Biden are like, yeah, investigate him, figure it out. And the GOP is like, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to fight back. Why aren't you fighting back? It's like, <laughs> like fucking government accountability, regardless of who it is. So funny thing about that. Um, I I had a take about we, we talked about the, the Biden, the uh, the classified documents, uh, what, two weeks ago or last week? Yeah. And um there was a take that I thought about a little bit later and what, what if you're the Democrats and you don't really want to push for investigations into Trump, you don't want to create the situation because the chance of him running again is better and him losing again is better um, for you. So instead you happen to get caught with your own classified documents and it's kind of like a mulligan or like two offsetting penalties, you know, like unnecessary roughness. I, I, I <laughs> Not where I thought you were going to go with that, honestly, because there's been like a conspiracy theory that this is their, this is the DNC's plot to get rid of Biden. Like, so that they, oh, like, they can stop him from running again. Is that like, oh, this would happen. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you don't you... try our guy. I don't try your guy. It offsets. Uh, it's, it's just a fucking mess. They're all know, idiots. <laughs> DeSantis, is, DeSantis has been winning some, a lot of those anonymous polls. So, we, you know, we don't know until the rubber meets the road and we actually start, you know, doing the campaigning and all that. But like, I don't know. I, I do agree that, like, I think we'd be better off in, with Trump, especially if he picks MTG well, as his running mate. I'd love that. Either way, I think if if Trump runs, it's not good for Republicans because it's still going to steal us at least a handful of those votes, and they're going to need every single vote at this point. So that's that's the thing, right? Yep. I would be curious to see if Ronnie D's like tactics here are to like ask me out, an easy question, out and I'll right, knock it out of the park for you, outright trump 
and um, just try to take on the conservative flank because all the shit that he's doing in Florida is like the antithesis of the library. You seen the library book? Yeah, the library shit's crazy. Yeah, you, you heard about that, Gatto? No, enlighten me. So he basically has banned every book in a library because, like, because ba- <laughs> basically, basically, idiocracy. Pro- here we come. The process has become that you have to get if if the book is to be in a Florida public school, it has to be cleared. So essentially, it can't have any sexual content. It can't have any LGBT whatever content in it. So, and it's by the way punishable by a felony. Yeah. So basically, the there's no real like systematic way of doing it. Right. It's a very arduous process. So it basically renders every book banned until they can get it cleared. This makes there's no process on getting it cleared. So they pretty much stripped every book out of the libraries. This this makes sense why um, Elon Musk is really pushing for Neuralink right now and trying to make that happen. God, fucking kill me. (laughs) Look, you need to cite your sources, and 4chan is the only approved source. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'll go. Whoever fucking lit the Empire State Building yesterday in green in support of the Eagles, fuck you. Do they also do the Chiefs, too? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and then, like, talking shit on Twitter. Like, literally talking shit to people on Twitter who didn't like it. And it's like, do you think that Philadelphia would be lighting up Giants Blue wherever the fuck, I mean, their fucking Philly cheesesteak fucking bullshit uh, places? They're too busy sliding down fucking streetlights and shit. Oh, yeah, grease the poles up, guys. <laughs> Breaking um, through bus the... stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I love it. Like, some of these cities, man, like, when they, they celebrate their victories by just they fucking trash their everything. city. Yeah. Philly, Philly's always been a trash, trash fan base. The Eagles fan base is amongst one of the worst. But um, so, yeah, I want to say Very a special brief. fuck you to that guy. That's not my asshole of the week, though. He is an asshole, though. Um, I'm going to go with anybody who talks about cancel culture from this point on. I don't want to hear it ever again. Louis C.K. last night sold out Madison Square Garden. We are talking about a guy who has really never like truly apologize for any of the shit that he did never face consequences for it. And all we hear is about how cancel culture ruins lives, it ruins careers and ultimately renders you broke and powerless to be able to do the things you want anymore. Louis CK, as far as I'm concerned, may have lost some deals um, as part of this whole process, but never really had to face any type of trial, never really faced any type of discipline, um, especially because he owned a lot of his own content. And then now, what is it, two or three years from now? And he essentially is back to whatever he was doing previously. So it goes to show that you actually, it's even better than they wanted, that you really don't even have to face any repercussions for it. Um, so if you are still talking about cancel culture in 2023 after all this, I don't want to hear it anymore. It's bullshit. Yes, come to my sub stack that you pay for so you could learn how my freedom of speech has been oppressed. Yep. Um, very much... I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like there's been a little bit of a turnaround for some folks who like I listened to Barry Weiss bitch and moan on God, Bill Maher the other night. The and I'm like, worst. 
she's like, I, yeah, I'm starting my own university. It's like the university is supposed to be not what you think. It's supposed to be like an, a place of expression. And going back to like Ron DeSantis banning that AP African history mm-hmm. course and the books being removed, the problem that they do, the problem that happens now is this is the quote unquote oppressed essentially turning into the oppressors. So, you know, my voice was silenced allegedly. Now I'm going to silence everybody else. Like that's not actually how this is supposed to work. Freedom of speech is freedom of expression for all. And now it's turning into, it's only my freedom of speech and not yours. Yeah. And this has always been how it is. Like it, that was always the plan was to, you know, fiend that they are pretty much the oppressed people and then turn it into a full-scale oppression. And by the way, like, I don't have a problem with reclamation projects. Like, I, if Louis C.K., like, I, I I, don't know for sure if he's ever apologized. I've never seen it. If he has, if he was contrite, then that's great. And I don't, I don't want the man to not have a livelihood. But at the same time, they're like, there has to be some kind of, like, punishment at least. Like, why? Like, it's just insane to me that this keeps happening over and over again. They cry about how they're oppressed and then they, they're still making millions upon millions of dollars. So it's like there, there doesn't, we're, we're a couple of years removed now and it doesn't seem like we're any better for this. It doesn't seem like anybody's really learning the lessons. Like there's obviously like uh, Harvey Weinstein, the, the more serious cases that have faced jail time, but then there's like, you know, Johnny Depp and it's like, you see the, like the absolute love fest from his fan base. So it just seems like we're never really ever going to, figure it out. I, I will say it probably has a lot more to do with the fact that the people who are holding others accountable are typically a smaller population of individuals, but I feel like it's with everything that we just can't keep our eye on the ball and yeah. we just widen the scope, the scope a little too much to where people are like, well, this doesn't actually make sense. Why are we going after all these people for what was a mistake and they admitted to it versus these people that have actually harmed others. hundred percent. And that's and- why like, I'm not going after Louis CK because arguably I think him and Aziz Ansari's like were probably the least offending ones mm-hmm. because as far as we've been told, Louis CK got consent from all these women, although it was like in a very like precarious situation, coercive. very yeah. coercive. So like, yeah, you got consent but like not really but like at the same time it's like there there are worse people that still have like ardent supporters and it's just it's weird man mm-hmm. it's the I, I think you know you're you're hitting it right on the head there q um there's just there's people that really should be canceled and they never get canceled for it yep. or the bit like the whole idea is to to financially kind of stave them off get you know remove their opportunities but you have people um like harvey weinstein that you know no one no one's looking at at fucking his production house and and canceling them you know um despite being a monster who um preyed on an entire industry's women's for so long you know we're we're seeing it with justin roiland right now yeah and well like it's it's weird because you know, I think like we when we started when people started going after people for just like bad takes, mm-hmm. 
Like we diluted the power of of what canceling was, and it could have been a really good and useful tool for society to essentially shun shun um, people that really were taking advantage or doing terrible things. It, it really could have been, but again, we just started using it emotionally for everything, and we it was an, it became an abuse. You know, I, and I'd it also was something that was abused. I'd also argue that the definition of cancel also got muddled as well. Yeah. Because there was never a clear definition. They, because at the end of the day, somebody would be like, I'm getting attacked on Twitter. They're canceling me. And it's like, so getting yelled at on Twitter is now canceled. You're not, you're not financially stricken. You're not yeah. like nothing's being affected in your life other than the website that you're voluntarily on. People are like mad at you and sit calling you an asshole. Like that's your version of being canceled. And then you get into the people that are like, oh, I'm being shadow banned and right. no one can see my content. Dave Rubin, maybe you're just not funny. <laughs> oh, cat, cat turd on Twitter. Oh, yeah. God, the worst people on earth. I will say, got, or Q, to jump back to your take on the Empire State Building, I mm. can one-up you. Ooh. Micah Parsons rooting for the Eagles to win one for the NFC East. <laughs> What a fucking dork. What a fucking idiot. That's so great. That's so great because I saw he was like filleting Lane Johnson last night. I didn't realize he went further and expounded on that. Which, I mean, look, Lane Johnson, arguably best right tackle in the league by far. So, yeah, give him his flowers if you want to. But, like. My God, man. Rooting for the fucking Eagles? Oh, Go win a bowl for our division. Like, you're not going to get a ring, dude. <laughs> fucking God. That's we, we used to be... We used to build things in this country. We used to have telephone operators in this country. <laughs> we might have to go back to that. Thanks. You know what was a noble GBT. profession, Gatto? A trolley operator. Yeah. Milkman. Yeah. <laughs> Milk chimney sexist, but hey. Yeah. Milk the person. guy who like Milk ran person. the coal shoot. <laughs> the guy who ran the coal shoot that went into your basement. <laughs> that guy. Oh man. Okay. Let's move on to picks. Yeah. Uh I'll start since I we'll kind of go round robin back. Um there's a movie um, that recently came out. It's a horror movie. No shock here. I'm recommending a horror movie. It's called Skinamarink. It is a Canadian horror movie. Yeah, very weird title. And I'm not. I've not seen this movie yet. Um, I'm only mentioning it because it's pretty interesting to see that um, Blair Witch Project was something that kind of captivated people. By the way, still the most profitable movie in history to this day. Um, because of the cost compared to the profit. Uh, Skinamarink is a Canadian horror movie. Essentially, the plot is, there, and really there doesn't seem to be much of a plot, is two kids wake up and all the windows and doors in their house have basically disappeared. So like they're hmm. like captured in the house. It is shot all from either very high angles, very low angles. It's analog, uh, really shot on analog. It costs hmm. $15,000 to make. And it is currently 1.5 million um, in the box office. This is more, I, I've seen people say it's the greatest thing they've seen in the last 20 years. And I've seen some people say that it's absolute dog shit. So the fact that like this is eliciting some like really 
specific um, opinions kind of interest me. It will. It's in theaters, in very limited theaters. There's actually no theaters around me that I can find that are showing it. But if you have Shutter, um, it's a uh, horror app. It's actually, I think, on the second of February. It's going to be on Shutter now. Um, if you don't have Shutter, they do a free month. I, I think they do like a free month. Uh, so it's. I think it's worth it. It's just kind of interesting. I've seen a lot of discourse on it. People either really love it or fucking hate it. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. Interesting. And as of today on Wikipedia, it's at 1.9 million. 1.9 now. Yeah. So $15,000 to make. Interesting. This is pretty cool. I might yeah. mess with this. Yeah, it's it's I've seen segments from it and it, it is again, there really doesn't seem to be a plot. There doesn't even really seem to be much dialogue. It is pretty much like you're just kind of almost catching like a security camera view of these kids trying to figure out what's going on. Um, it seems very weird and I'm 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 into that. So I might fucking hate it, but like I'm just kind of intrigued by how cheap of a movie it is. Nice. Um, I will go next. So my pick of the week, I posted it in the chat earlier, but it's The Way Down, which is an HBO series about um, Gwen Shamblin, who was essentially like a Christian diet guru, which was effectively like praying away all of your hunger. Um, She started in the early 90s, but um, eventually gathered enough attention and money and notoriety where she was able to found the Remnant Fellowship Church in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Real fucking weird. Um, it's got good, solid, sturdy American cult vibes to it. And I've watched the, the first two seasons of it. Really, really interesting because they have a lot of responses from folks who are former Remnant Church members who were frankly totally weirded out by this place but people were gravitating towards her like for every cult there always is people that are gravitated um the funny not funny but the thing about this one is that gwen shamlin is dead now um her and her husband and a number of other individuals were killed in a plane crash in 2021 but this church still exists um, it's ran by her kids, but all the same, give it a give it a watch. It's called The Way Down. Really, really fascinating stuff. Frankly, I thought it was much better than the Nexium show because this is actually objective rather than former members directing it and kind of being fucking all over the place with it. Interesting. I was uh, I was super into um, that stuff. So for me, anything like this, I'm always I'm always down for. Yeah, this one's talks a lot about like control and abuse, but obviously with a religious angle to it, like traditional like churches and components of Christianity, they wanted nothing to do with these people. Mm. Like that, nah, they're like they're like <laughs> these too, people too are... too toxic for Christians. Right. I love me some cults with the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta what you got. Uh, you know, again, I'm a little bit behind on my uh, homework here. Um, you were telling me, you were telling me about that uh, Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's the Eddie Murphy movie. Um, it's it's called You People. Um, it features uh, 
Jonah Hill. Let me hold, hold on. I'm gonna just bring it up so that I'm not Eddie Murray's it. Eddie Murphy's in it too. Eddie Murphy, Julia Lewis Dreyfus, uh, mm. Laura London is the other lead. David Duchovny's in there. Nia Long. Um, it's 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 a seri- it, it's a pretty stacked test. Uh, Taco, uh, Lala, isn't it? Um, David Duchovny. Every- David Duchovny's playing Mulder from the X Files in the movie. Dude, uh, actually, fucking <laughs> uh, David Duchovny has this one scene. Where it's the first time that so Jonah Jonah Hill's his son, right, in the movie. And it's the first time that he's meeting um Lauren London's character, uh Amira, right? And it's essentially it's like a guess who's coming to dinner type of scenario, but it's, flipped. It's it's a so I, I will give it credit because I think it's a in a in a time and age where um you know people are very hypercritical about anything regarding race issues. They do a master, they have a masterful taste of really exploiting, like Julia Lewis Dreyfus's character is exceptional at being cringe. Eddie Murphy plays a very, um, you could tell that he's, he's someone who, who's, who's very um, distrustful of white people. (laughs) And, (laughs) and like the, the, like the characters, the characters are complex and real. I think everyone's, everyone's encountered somebody who's who's a character in this in this movie. Um, and at the end of the day, I think there's a good message of like, um, essentially, like you know, uh, we need to stop taking people for. Uh, we need we need to see them as uh, more of of who they are as a character of their personality, not of just what they are solely based on identity. Um, and that identity is a much more dimensional or deeper dimensional thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's really well done. I think, I, uh, I except saw, for the ending, the ending kind of sucked in my opinion, but endings, yeah, they typically do. I saw. I did. I haven't seen it yet. I did see a clip where um, Eddie Murphy's in the car with Jonah Hill, and he, he's trying to. He's basically like they're playing Kanye and Jay Z's, you know, so, what in Paris, yeah. and he's trying to like, what's the title of the song? And mm-hmm. he's like, "Dudes in Paris," and he's like, "No, no, it's, it's it, it was pretty. It was it was very funny." So uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing it. So yeah, and and I will say, Julia Lewis Dreyfus plays. She's awesome the most cringe character of all time you will sit there and it's kind of fitting for this episode you will sit there and you'll be like oh please shut up stop talking <laughs> just for everybody's sake just stop and and she just does such a good job of doing that um yeah i it, i think it's smart i think it's it was well done um in good taste uh and it's you know i think it's something you, if you can get your boomer parents to watch it might be good so <laughs> awesome. I love it. Though self-awareness never hurt anybody. <laughs> Tommy. All righty, folks. Well, that does it for us. Uh, another episode of the second mounts podcast in the books. We thank you all for coming. Um, do us a favor and um, you can find all of the links to the podcast itself. If you want to listen to this again on your way to work, 
or while you're in the emergency room waiting to get treated by somebody or you're out for a walk, who knows what you do with your time, but you can find all the links in there. You can also find the link to the discord as well. Jump in there, give us some thoughts on what you want to see and hear from episodes. You can also engage in the conversation to um, do us a favor, give us a like and subscribe and tell us what you liked and what you didn't like to. We're always trying to figure out a way to make this a better experience for you all. Give us some topics and be happy to talk about it. Everything is on the table posts after the Super Bowl because we'll we'll need shit to talk about. So give us some topics. We'll dig into there. Um, and then do us a favor and go on to Spotify, Apple. Again, the Apple people are killing the game when it comes to downloads. Um, but give us a like and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform as well. Outside of that, folks, that does it for us. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's give me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are Walmart. And then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>